Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello! Welcome to Science Faction 659, Science Faction, Chinese Native Americans, and Too Late for Swayze. Too Late for Swayze? First off, never count that man out. He's he's literally been a ghost. Somebody, he, I remember a story where somebody counted him out, but he came sure. back from the dead to be a protagonist. Well, he would have to do that again, uh, uh-huh. or he'd want to be a protagonist, because I feel like I can count him out confidently now like it, growing up being a young kid and seeing roadhouse and all that kind of stuff you automatically assume oh man the person i would least like to fuck with is patrick swayze by the way i think he was like 140 pounds when he filmed that movie <laughs> yeah i just saw him uh, dirty dancing i was like man that guy could yeah. dance i don't want to fuck with that guy <laughs> <laughs> don't want to fuck with him at all he will throat rip me and put me in the corner and i don't want any part of any of that and uh uh you would think you know swayze i'd never want to take him and even later as i gr- grew into a man who was much bigger and, and more skilled at martial martial arts than, than the real Patrick Swayze still wouldn't want to mess with him. He's just this daunting figure. But now I'll beat the shit out of his bones. Like I'm not worried. I'm not scared. I'll get him. You always say that until you're like pissing your pants. You guys, maybe it's disrespectful to violate his grave. And maybe all my, maybe I, I said, maybe I crossed the line a few times. That would be when his ghost would come back to haunt you that at that moment. Oh, and speaking of haunting this podcast, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist, Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is my comedian, Mr. Damien Ricardo. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? I am doing fantastic. And, Bobby, you also haunt me, quite literally, in I Call mm-hmm. BS, which is available to our Patreon, where uh, I am let out of my gimp cage uh, for Bobby to play cruel, saw-like games with. Yes, and let me just say... Uh, much like cowardly Damien backed out of beating up Abe Lincoln's bones, I won't <laughs> back away from a good Patreon episode. I will stand up to the tyrant that is Damien, who refuses, oh my refuses God. to punch the 16th president of the United States' bones into powder like a real man. I, 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 I have nothing but the utmost respect for Honest Abe. No, no, I wouldn't do that. Like, couldn't we please make it? I don't know. Michael Jackson's dead. I'll, I'll beat his wafy corpse. Eight ways from Sunday. Yeah, he's got a few good songs. Right, let's stick with Lincoln. <laughs> How many hits does Lincoln have? Uh, zero. How many Super Bowl halftime shows does Lincoln perform at? Uh, Goose Egg. <laughs> well, at least no memorable ones. Uh, as Super David Bowl mentioned, one. you can go check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon for a whole extra episode of Science Faction every single week. That's for uh, more science articles you get to learn, so you can be even more well-versed at that uh, party where you get to pretend like you are reading science articles when, in fact, you're just listening to dick jokes. Yeah, and uh, uh, check out Awful Neutral. Uh, we're having a hell of a time. We're playing a game basically based... It's based on the uh, James Cameron's Aliens universe. Mm. Real fun. Uh, Awful Neutral. We also stream every Sunday at 11. Check us out. Uh, if you want to see my face, hear my voice, uh, you want to hear my the dick jokes in real time, unedited as they happen, uh, please join us at Awful Neutral. We stream on Twitch, again, Sundays at 11 Pacific Standard Time. Now, Damien, so you're saying you you have a game that's in the world of the movie Alien or Aliens. Yes, yes, and that's... 
that I have a question for you, which is mm-hmm. in that mission where they sent everybody and they had the one replicant, the milk-filled guy, why <laughs> Why didn't they just send milk-filled guys? Like, why were there humans involved at all? It seems like there was like AI, there was like, like suspended animation issues and there was, you know, people going off the rails. Why not just send the milk-filled androids, a whole ship full of those guys, and then they could do exactly what you want? Uh, 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 maybe it's because the androids, I, th- and I think if you've seen Prometheus and you're familiar with that universe, uh, uh-huh. the androids have a very high likelihood of like bending towards evil at a random moment. Mm. And if you just had an entire crew of those things and you're way, you're the Wayland Utani, the, uh, chief, co- the corporation, uh, in mm. this, uh, in, in game capitalist hellscape, uh, mm-hmm. then, that would be a tough sell to the investors at the stockholder meeting. Yes, we have a rogue ship, rogue AI. Uh, they're actually working in conjunction with that xenomorph bioweapon that you know we gave mm. at the last shareholder meetings that we briefed you on. I don't know. I feel like you could send two or three ships for the cost of the one ship with the humans on it. And if one or two of them go evil and kill each other, then who cares? They're just, you know, they're just milk-filled robots. But, you you know, you gotta, you double shit. I don't know. I just feel like you could have done it. Or, by the way, work on your fucking programming, guys. Like, what's up with that? You, you don't have kill switches? What's going on? Yeah, no, I, I would agree. There, there's, there's a ton of reasons that the this AI that they let it, they let, oh, you know, at the rate in which it happens in the movies, it would let you. It, it's almost as if like every third uh, AI eventually just, yeah, it has a body count. Yeah. Like essentially, they're a serial killer. Yeah. So my question to you, Damien, is as a person who is now authoring this universe, how come you did it wrong? <laughs> That's right. I should be entitled to the millions upon millions that James Cameron, Ridley Scott. Even the lesser David Finchers. You would have been if you would have written it right. If you would have had the <laughs> ship full of androids and then nothing would have gone wrong. It would have been a pleasant movie to watch. A successful mission. If you, we just we just did our second episode and um, I don't know if anybody's listening to both, but uh, let's just say that I really took issue with Bobby accusing me of being an android. Because that's what an android would take issue with. They wouldn't, they wouldn't brush aside that joke. They would need to make sure Bobby knew that I was not mm. an android. Otherwise, I'd have to kill Bobby. Yes. Is that milk coming out of your ear? All right, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. Article number one, are Native Americans from China... Uh, okay, you sent this article to me, mm-hmm. and I, I don't even have a joke because my thought was always like, yes, like I mean, like like uh, all those peoples, mm. those peoples, like uh, knowing what what I know from you, right? Sure. All the peoples from Asia, you know, um, uh, have a genetic shared history from Mongolia to the peoples of Southeast Asia to the you know they. Sure. And so I always just they figured since you know the people just would have spread out from that di- that diaspora would have spread mm-hmm. out would have radiated across the Bering Strait into Beringia and became the Native Americans. I always assumed like it was just part of the they like yeah there was, it all goes back to 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 that part of let's say China but Asia yeah. Well, uh- am I crazy? Yes, totally. 100%. And it's not just the Android shit. So let's go back (laughs) to the story we knew before this paper was published about exactly what was going on with the origins of Native Americans. We knew that there was a group that lived in Siberia and a group of ancient Northeast Asians that ended up coming together to form a new group, a genetically distinct group that then got genetically isolated in Beringia, the now submerged continent, sometimes called the Bering Land Bridge that's in between Alaska and Russia. But because of ice 
sheets. They got essentially isolated in there for maybe five to 10,000 years. Encino Man style. Yeah, it was a lot like Encino Man, but it was a, a <laughs> vivacious culture of people living their lives as opposed to Brendan Fraser frozen uh, in an unlikely place that never had glaciers. But practically the same story. A story taken from time. Practically. Uh, and so then they, you know, some small group, a couple hundred Beringians then migrated into the Americas. As we covered a few months ago, we later talked about some backflow of natives from North America making it into Asia and their genetic signature doing going, going through there. And then, of course, we have the Dorset people coming over from Siberia again 5,000 years ago. And then again, another group of people that became the Inuit coming ar- around from the same place more like 1,000 to 1,800 years ago. And that was kind of the story that we had. A new paper came out this week from China that is really interesting, and it suggests that around 20-some-odd thousand years ago, there was an infusion of DNA from somebody who lived in what we would call modern-day China now. Obviously, it wasn't China. These aren't the Han people. This has nothing to do with that. But a person who was living in that area about 20-some-odd thousand years ago seemed to have migrated into uh, or at least their genes migrated into the people that then became Native Americans, creating what we call the D4H 3A lineage, which is a Native American lineage that's related to D4H 3B, uh, which we find is in very select small groups in Eastern Asia. And we also think that this same migration uh, was one of the progenitors of the Jomon people of Japan, the uh, sometimes related to the Ainu, which is a group of kind of the native inhabitants of Japan that were later replaced by what we now consider to be Japanese people. Uh, do the Ainu still have a culture in like a, like a small reservation or something in Japan? Yeah, the northern islands, I think, is where there uh, there are still people of, of Jomon descent. I don't know how much they like still carry on those traditions. I don't think it's like a reservation here. Then we think there was another migration that happened maybe ten to 16,000 years ago from that same area, from that same Northeast Asia area that made it back in. Super, super interesting. Really cool. It does not mean that the Native Americans are Chinese. They never said they were. That was not what the article said, but I saw a lot of like kind of clickbaity headlines that seem to suggest that's what they were saying. It wasn't. What they were saying was one lineage, one matrilineal lineage seems to originate from this one place in East Asia, not like a Chinese person went over to the Americas, which, by the way, could have been, as Damien mentioned, Beringia. That time period, especially the upper end of that 25K timeline, it is possible that we're seeing somebody make their way into Beringia, breed into that population, and then the Beringians took that genetic information down into the Americas with them. That's a total possibility. One might even argue a likelihood over, you know, kind of migrating through that area on skim boats the entire way. But we don't know yet. It is still interesting. All we see is that matrilineal lineage come out. That does not mean that, you know, the the bulk of the Native American stock was people who came from that East Asia place. In fact, we are certain we already know where they came from. We know their genetic affinity most commonly uh, relates to people in Siberia and another group that was up a little bit north of them combining and creating kind of a distinct genetic profile. I think like uh, I think I kind of just didn't surprise me because uh, as a Native American, there's mm. an, a person of the earth of this new mm-hmm. world. Um, I knew, you know, it's it's like it's it's almost like genetic knowledge passed down uh, from the ancients 
mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't really know my father, so I don't know what my connection to the ancients is. It must must happen when I sleep, but I'm a deep sleeper. Mm, that's right. So I guess your connection, your where you were, you like sixteen percent Native American was that twenty percent? The... You racist piece uh, of shit. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you thought that was racist. We just found out that the, <laughs> they have Chinese origin. I'm about to start blaming you for COVID. So do you just yeah. you hold on for that. Yeah, it was that was a joke I almost made about like how like if you're conservative, China's almost like a swear word. Like almost <laughs> like like you put it in like you put, maybe somebody tried to put it like the word China in this mm-hmm. article to make to get conservative clicks or something. China, I hate that. Oh man, <laughs> that means evil. That's almost a curse word. This is in some, at least in the main article that releases this information. This is said to be an explanation for some interesting archaeological evidence we have, like stemmed points, which predate Clovis points, the earliest projectile points that we find in the Americas, and we see similar step stemmed points kind of around the Pacific Rim in Japan. So maybe you know, and in East Asian stuff. And the argument is, oh well, look, it must have been somebody in China who came up with this and then moved around, and it's like, eh. Probably Probably not. Uh, more likely, there could have been some convergence of it. Uh, or somebody made it into Beringia a long time ago, and those points were developed in Beringia, and then people went both ways, as we know they did. And well, some went down into Asia, and some went down in North America and took it both with them. It's unlikely that a you know a technology you know hopped along with some minor genetic influence along the Pacific Rim by itself. It's more likely a story of you know cultural diffusion of that technology that kind of goes through and you know, who knows? Like I said, maybe that technology was developed in Beringia and then radiated out. And that would also be explained why we don't see kind of the evolution of that stem point technology show up so well in either the Americas or East Asia, because it was developed at a place that's now underwater. So we don't see the progression of the evolution of those stem points. Who knows? I will say this I is do. incredible. The ancestors have told me I'm, <laughs> I choose. It's it's funny to see you to see you ponder this. When the answer is obvious, uh, but I know. Uh, I just, I I wish you hadn't given the world the Damien flu, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just keep picturing Trump saying China, just like 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 a dirty word. <laughs> now, uh, like, like we said, we're not sure what exactly this means. It does mean that there is at least that matrilineal profile seems to come from that part of East Asia, which is really, really cool news. It's neat to see that there's an admixture there. It tells us a little about, about what's going on at that point in, in time. I love Occupation of the Americas research so I'm and, and ancient genetics research, so I'm super well, jazzed about this. You're a colonizer. You, you would like Occupation of the Americas, whereas I, I've, I, I would have been you're living just You're just making just out fine. with bats. <laughs> Listen, yeah, I'm the pervert of my community, of my tribe. Absolutely. I'm sneaking away to go fuck bats. Damien, are you going to go fuck bats again? No. Why would I do that? Guys, trust me. There's. I'm just going to go scout, look for some food for everybody. All right? Is that okay? By the bat cave. Uh, what? I'm not going to go over there to their, their supple, wrinkly wings that feel so good on your skin. I'm not going to go over there. And and because it's night I am for them, yeah, I am dropping into their DMs at night, hoping that their bat spouse isn't awakened and also hungry for fruit. Like I said, super, <laughs> super interesting. I will say this. 
reading the original article, it is is a Chinese research institute, there were some things that gave me a little bit of pause. We've talked before on on this show about how eh, anthropology, archaeology in China tends to be somewhat nationalistic. So stories like, yeah, China was the first one to do this, or we're the first one to do that, are kind of commonplace there, so much so that multi-regionalism is still taught in a lot of Chinese public universities, which is the idea that Chinese people evolved in China and like we're not related to the African people over like that's a different group right like that's taught in fucking universities in university anthropology programs and I've met people who have taken those classes so if anyone tells you oh that's just a myth no it's not I have met met people who who went to school there went to university good schools and learned that shit so there is like a weird nationalism that gets brought in especially in their anthropology departments another thing that was a huge red flag to me was that they in their intro they were saying you know native americans have this you know very diverse history that it turns out it's very very complicated it's not just siberians which is true it's not just siberians uh and and we see a lot of genetic flow from these other groups including blah 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 and austro-melanesians and i looked at the citation i was like there's no austro-melanesian Add mixture into Native Americans. What the fuck are you talking about? And I looked at the citation, and it was for the 2015 article that we covered about that weird uh, genetic signature that seemed to be in certain natives in this one part in South America that seemed to indicate an ancient mixing with Austro-Melanesians, which we then covered like a year and a half ago was finally found out. I was thinking, oh my God, what if there were Aborigines in South America before anyone? It was a crazy idea. We then found out through a massive genetic study that it was actually just genetic drift from the fact that the founding population in Beringia, you know, had some relation to groups that would later go on to become Austro-Melanesian. It did not mean they had any Austro-Melanesian DNA or, or anything like that. And so the fact that they were misattributing that piece of scientific research years after it had been kind of debunked leads me to believe that there was... I don't know, not due diligence done. If if the fucking podcast nerd in San Diego who's sitting around doing this in his spare time knows this, and you, the head of human anthropology at a major Chinese university, don't, then, like, either your standards of keeping up to date with current publication are not too high, or you just hate dick jokes. That's Those are the only two options. <laughs> <laughs> I I would love is, is does our podcast get translated does uh does is, is, do we have I would love to hear the I would love to meet the guy who voices me over I would love yes. to meet that man um and and uh, and see if he gets it see if he's really nail I want to because he has to nail my Alex Jones like there's so many he has to do voices I would love to hear a Chinese Alex Jones actually that would be please please. <laughs> That would be great. I, uh, I, I, I've I never seen us get translated, Damien. I have seen us get closed captioned uh, for some of our, our television programs. And in it, uh, the the bottom just says nasal chortling when you laugh. So just so you know. <laughs> That's, that is more generous than I deserve. <laughs> uh, on to article number two, we may have a successful treatment for pancreatic cancer in an mRNA vaccine. Ah, that's what you meant by it's too late for Swayze. Yeah. It's like, this is, it, and this town loves a comeback story, kid. Listen, being dead, you think that's, you think that's stopped James Dean? The guy became a legend after he died. You know how, like, 
Mormons, they have this tradition in their church where they can like baptize you as a Mormon after you're dead in order to try and get you into heaven. So they like went back in time and baptized George Washington. Like they, you can baptize people in the Mormon church long after they're dead to get them into heaven. Presumably that means like, like there's a knock on hell's door yeah. and like, and like the, the assistant the assistant principal for hell I don't know, opens up and he's like, uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, we need, uh, we need him please. Yeah. Come on, bring him in. I have this room. I have the room reserved, sir. Uh, this is, I put my name on the list. I've been waiting in this hell. Uh, this, the, even the line to, to get into the torture chamber is hell. Just like that, I think it would be funny if we just dug up Swayze and injected his boat. Just just like to, to as a public service, the more you know announcement, we dug up Swayze, injected his bones with the vaccine, and then, you know, it gets people to know that it's, it's around. <laughs> That's, that, that, is that what it takes to change middle America's mind about vaccines? Is saving Swayze's life. Also, could you imagine, like, like Swayze's, and you know, he seemed like a pretty zen guy. He's in, like, he's, yeah. he's he's chilling with whatever higher consciousness is out there, and a couple of like Mormon thugs splat yeah. sack up and drag him into Mormon hell. His, you know, no Mormon heaven. That's what they're trying to put him. They're trying to put him in Mormon you know, it's, heaven. It's 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 Mormon heaven, but uh, Patrick Swayze's hell. No dancing. <laughs> by the way. Or throat ripping. John Lithgow flatly runs the place. I know. I know. I'm not. I know he's not Kevin Bacon, but I think it applies because he's also a dead answer. This is a really interesting case surrounding pancreatic cancer. Super, super interesting. Now I'm going to come right off the bat and say it's a tiny end number, but it's still very, very promising. Still really, really interesting. So a quote from the article: Pancreatic ductal adenocarcinoma, the most common type of pancreatic cancer, has a mortality rate of. 88%. I'm going to stop right there and repeat that. 88%. We always talk about why pancreatic cancer is so deadly. This is one of the reasons. And we're going to get to why it has such a high high rate pretty soon. Uh, all right. Continuing the quote. It is the third leading cause of death from cancer in the U.S. and is becoming more common. Surgery is the main form of treatment, but the cancer has a 90% reoccurrence rate at seven to nine months. Wow, that's crazy. Chemotherapy is only partially effective at delaying the reoccurrence. Other treatments, such as immunotherapy, are mostly ineffective, end quote. So pancreatic, pancreatic cancer is absolutely terrifying. It, not only that, but it didn't, it didn't kind of uh, lay into that. It also kills you incredibly fast. It's one of those where you find out you have pancreatic cancer, and like the time you have left is measured by the calendar that's still on your wall oftentimes like you might have a year year and a half but you might have six months and like that's a very realistic thing for you as a normal person who's pretty healthy to walk into a doctor's office and come out with a six-month diagnosis because you have pancreatic cancer i'm gonna be honest with you bobby i have not pulled a day off my far side calendar since 2005 um that's i think that means you're immortal now because i think you have to have (laughs) a calendar on your wall with the day you're gonna die it's like it's a it's a loophole yeah, it's like death, like, checks your calendar on your wallet. Mm-hmm. All right, well, all right, I am supposed to be your right address. Bam. Okay, another year check. Bam. That's why all the Mayans died. They made too long a calendar. <laughs> we were able to get them all. <laughs> wow, our continued universe, the uh, science faction universe, gets more and more interesting as the episodes <laughs> pile up. So one of the reasons that pancreatic cancer is so deadly is 
it makes very few of a very of a very specific type of surface protein called neoantigens, which is kind of a, a marker for us in which we can kind of see that people have cancer. But it also is a marker for your immune system to start mounting an immune response. Remember, most cancers are solved by our immune systems long before we ever know about them. Otherwise, we'd all have cancer, right? But most of the time, our immune system can take care of it. So can apoptosis. And between those two, we can kind of take care of it. But your immune system has to be signaled by these neoantigens. And what we realized when we look at the data is that people, that small percentage of people who survive pancreatic cancer, that less than 10%, they had stronger neoantigen responses. So basically, their T cells were able to recognize that cancer earlier and get to it. So one of the issues that makes pancreatic cancer so deadly, there's a few. One is they don't have, it doesn't have a lot of outward symptoms. Uh, number two is it doesn't actually stimulate a lot of immune responses. But in those few people who do survive, we do see that almost all of them happen to be the small percentage of people who do stimulate a natural immune response. And so that makes us think, oh shit, a big deal for this is going to be training individual immune systems. And so in, with that in mind, researchers decided they wanted to try this now that we have mRNA vaccines that we can fucking make on a computer and basically print out amazingly, as opposed to years and years of putting shit in chicken eggs. We can, we can make them so easily now. Researchers are like, all right, let's look at it. Let's in fact, let's make special tailored vaccines for each one of these pancreatic cancer patients, give them the vaccine, and some of these will also get chemo, Some of the, and these are all getting surgery. So let's see if we have that remission rate. Let's see if we go back to, you know, 90% reoccurrence of people getting their, their pancreatic cancer back after surgery. Eight out of 16 of those people, and again, only 16 in this end number, super small. Eight out of 16 of these individuals showed a strong response, and those eight were cancer-free at follow-up, which is past that part where we would see 90% being gone. So this is knocked at 90% remission down to 50%, which is huge. And we can tell who that 50% is going to be based on their response to this vaccine. Meaning not only is it 50%, but it's not like, holy fuck, give it to them, you know, spray and pray, hope it works out. It's like, we could test you afterwards, see your immune response to what's going on and predict whether or not this particular mRNA is going to be a, a vaccine is going to be effective treatment, which means, by the way, if it's not going to be, you're not having immune response. We can try again with a different tailor made vaccine and keep trying this two or three times until we find one that works. So that 50 percent mortality rate or that 50 percent remission rate at that point might get down to 10 or 10 or 15 percent if we can, you know, give them a couple of different versions of a couple of different mRNA vaccines, realizing that it's not working in real time yep. i mean we've we've talked on the show about like future technology you know like like we really mm -hmm. only have a few future technologies at least at commercial level and like phone phones is certainly a telecommunications sure certainly up there but you know when you think about like medical stuff like you know this isn't beating cancer but this is basically beating one of the deadliest most headline yeah. like top can one of cancer's top boys you basically yeah. murked him you snatched all of his birthdays for once and because of that, uh, this is fucking future. It is great. And by the way, I always get perturbed when people are like, oh, yeah, well, where's this cancer cure? And it's like, look at the fucking cancer lifespan over the past 50 years. 50 years ago, for most cancers, the doctor's prescription was like flowers and a good night out because you're not living very long. And nowadays, there are tons of these cancers that we are surviving from immunotherapy, from chemotherapy, from targeted radiation, from better surgeries. Hell, we're finding out that 
that the certain things can be done just by giving people HPV vaccines so they never get cervical cancer in the fucking first place. Like, our ability to fight cancer, prevent cancer has gone up leaps and bounds. And it's just that certain cancers have evaded that. We talked actually a while ago about survival cancer rates and how they've changed and stuff and how pancreatic cancer has actually jumped up a bunch. It just jumped up from like a 1% survival rate, I think, to like a 4%. But it's still like quadrupled or something like it was still a big jump it was just that it's it's such a deadly form of cancer that it's really hard to fight but it's like man we have done so much and if you look at it in the long run you can actually see that and i think this type of stuff will be a big one having this type of vaccine that you can train an immune system to fight a specific type of cancer and keep in mind each one of these people's vaccines was tailor-made. It's not like they gave them all the same vaccine. Each one was tailor-made to their body and to the tumor that they had to be given after their surgery. So the idea that we are in this future world where we can get rid of cancer tumors, the most deadly cancer tumors on earth, by essentially injecting you with something that was come up with on a computer and printed out in a weird 3D print, like, that's fucking amazing. Obviously, this will the, the Patrick Swayze's of the world will be safe. But uh, and uh, I don't know. I just wonder, like, how how uh, how uh, accessible this is going to be for your average. I mean, or how accessible it'll be not now is pretty low, probably. But within the next uh, five, well, it's 10 not years. accessible to anybody now. You know, this was just yeah. a trial of these sixteen people, so it's not accessible to anybody. And it'll be like anything else. You know, it'll be accessible to people who could afford it at first, and then eventually to the middle people, and then eventually, hopefully, to everybody. But the point of the matter is something like this is fucking amazing to have that ability and think of how many people will, if this turns out to be expandable and be useful and and get into the market quickly, think how many people will be alive who wouldn't otherwise be alive. Keep in mind, pancreatic cancer is not super common. It's not like the reason it's the third leading cause of death in terms of cancers is because if people are getting pancreatic cancer at the same rate they're getting breast cancer, we would, we'd have like half our population if that was the case. It's that the other cancers got so well treated, things like we're so good at treating breast cancer, we're so good at treating so many of these cancers now that even though pancreatic cancer doesn't actually impact, infect that many people, it has such a high mortality rate that it's the third leading cause of cancer death, which is pretty nuts. What's the, uh, have, have cancer rates gone up or down over the years? Maybe I know we've gotten better uh, treating they it. Always, but, but, yeah, they always they go always tr- up because, because our lifespans go up and our okay. abilities to be around <laughs> stuff go up, especially like carcinogens and stuff. Now, that being said, I think uh, we reported it a year ago that for the first time in like 70 years, the U.S. lifespan dropped a bit. So maybe we'll lose some cancer patients there. We yeah. probably lost, to be honest, just because of their information and being infirmed and stuff, we probably lost a shit ton of cancer patients over COVID that otherwise could have you know, would have really died thrown of off our so, numbers. So we dropped that yeah. dead weight. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, exactly. And old people. Uh, but we are getting way better at treating cancers. Absolutely way better at them, way better at detecting them early, way better at being able to fight them. I mean, melanomas are so common now that I, I used to joke about this, which is every old archaeologist I know has skin cancer. And that's true now to like a 99% interval. And part of that is because they didn't use sunscreen back in the day. Like they just walked outside and like, oh, look, I'm tanning nice and stuff. And uh, they didn't cover up or do anything they were supposed to do. But like, honestly, find me an old white archaeologist that that was redundant. Find me an old archaeologist and I will find you. On a, no joke. I feel uncomfortable at archaeology conferences. I'm like, holy shit, guys. Is this a clan meeting? Like, what's going on? But find me an old archaeologist 
who doesn't have skin cancer or hasn't had skin cancer or at least hasn't had like a precancerous mole removed and I'll find you somebody who didn't do any field time because I swear to God, they almost all have it. And yet almost all the ones I know are still alive. Like they still have it. It was something that would have been a death sentence not that long ago, but they all got the chemo and the surgeries and the whole nine yards and they're fine. For, for our fans, Bobby has the uh, skin uh, complexion and hair color mm-hmm. of an Amy Schumer. Uh, yes. he, he's he's uh, very if you need to if you need to picture something and Bobby goes out regularly. I've been out working with Bobby many times, but if you ever go out with Bobby, uh, and it's very foreign to me, but it's it's clearly his tradition. He will slather himself in thick coats yes. of sunscreen, wear th- an elaborate hat, and as but as somebody who sweats like a real man, seven yeah. gallons resting. Oh, I <laughs> per sweat hour. <laughs> it's just, I'd rather I, I'd rather be wet than sunburned. I, not only am I, I sla- every morning because I work outside every day, I, I slather myself in sunscreen and then I cover up every inch of skin. I have a wide brim hat on. I have long sleeve uh, shirt, long sleeve pants, gloves. And then I have a neck buff that comes up over my face, up to my eye line and around the back of my head underneath my hat and then sunglasses on. So you, you basically can't see me. I have literally worked with people for months who did not know my ethnicity because that's just what I look like at work. Yeah, Bobby, if you saw him at work, he looks like he looks like Caliban from that Logan movie. Like he looks like an albino going out. Like he's uh, he dresses like like the sun would hurt him. You can for his, his his the people who he worked for him could think he's a vampire for all yes. they know. He could be a vampire. Or like that the invisible man when he would like wrap himself in like <laughs> yes. gauze to look like he wasn't invisible when he was a regular per- I I gave off that vibe a lot. And I, I have to pretend to not know him. Like, I don't know who this asshole. I'm trying to get help. I think he's, I think he's, he got out of the hospital. It, uh, it comes to my advantage, though, when every once in a while and I feel too lazy to go to work and I just have somebody else do it in my clothes. <laughs> so they're never going to know. <laughs> Thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Faction 659, where you learned all about the Chinese genetic impact on Native Americans and why we might have a successful treatment for pancreatic cancer, finally. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 660. All right, I've agreed to our debate, Mr. Chinese Alex Jones, and thank you for holding on to my Coca-Cola as I went to the restroom. Now let's debate. You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right. <laughs>